I'm Evan Knappen, and this is Gun Lawyer. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of headlines about Alec Baldwin and the accident that occurred in the making of the movie Rust. And, you know, this raises some very important things for us little old gun owners that aren't movie stars about things that we need to learn when these kind of things happen. And, you know, more and more information has come out about what actually did happen. And you start to see a lot of the spin that the media's put on it. And uh, I want to kind of cut through that. And let's, let's really look to the best of what I've been able to glean from sources what happened there. And apparently what happened was he was shooting a scene, he being Baldwin, who, by the way, as many of you know, is an absolute anti-gun zealot nut who has gone around bashing the NRA, bashing gun owners, and being a total flaming anti-gunner. And this adds all the more irony to the uh, hypocrisy that is Hollywood and guns. And here, this guy who for years and years has been screaming from the anti-gun playbook of, you know, we need more gun safety laws, which is what they couch anti-gun rights laws in. Well, this guy spent less time screaming for more, quote, gun safety laws and actually uh, learned bona fide real gun safety uh, maybe this could have been avoided. And so we're looking at this, and everyone, of course, feels very sorry for the person who was killed and for the person who was wounded. And uh, that is always uh, sad and tragic, and nothing here is meant to uh, go against their their sadness and problems. But I do want to look at what happened, because we need to look at these things and learn from them, if nothing else. So Baldwin's filming this scene, supposedly, and he's trying to do a cross draw. So it's a Western, and I haven't been able to exactly identify the gun, but I'm I'm assuming it's a, uh, you know, 1873 SAA, you know, single action army, classic cowboy gun. And he wants to do a cross draw. Now, here's the deal. This gun is not a, quote, prop gun that they're calling it, okay, a movie gun. No, it was an actual gun. So it's a gun that's a period gun, okay? It's not a blank gun, right? It's not a, a soft air gun. It's a real effing gun, okay? And that's fine in a way because if you want to be realistic and have a realistic gun, then the real gun is about as realistic as it gets. But if you're going to do this with a real gun, you got to be extra careful, man, because you know what? It's a gun. So don't be thinking of it as a movie prop. Don't be thinking of it as some blank gun. No, it's a firearm. And you better handle that firearm safely the way you would handle any firearm safely, the way you should handle any firearm safely. So he's going to do this cross draw. And they're going to film it. And they were trying to get the right angle. But apparently the church was creating a shadow. 
So he had to move in a certain direction and do his cross draw and fire. And somewhere in the process of him doing that and firing, it fired a actual round. Uh, and it's not clear whether that round killed and hit another person or whether a couple shots were fired and one killed her and one wounded the other. But the bottom line is it was live ammo. And I say live ammo not the way Hollywood calls live ammo blanks or whatever. It was live ammo, meaning genuine cartridges with real bullets on top of cases with powder and primer that fire and eject a projectile. That's what that gun was loaded with. Now, how did this happen? How did how, Allegedly, how did this end up loaded? Well, apparently earlier in the day, some crew members were target shooting, target practicing with the actual real gun. And in a way, you can understand the lore of it. I mean, here's a period handgun. Wouldn't it be fun to try shooting the period handgun, you know, historically? And, and look, shooting historic handguns is great fun. It's awesome to live history and feel and shoot. But how do you do it safely and at a range and you follow the protocols? But look, folks, this wasn't a target shooting expedition. This was a movie-making set. And the fact that there was any live, actual, real ammo on a movie set should never happen. Just period. There should never be live. Even if they're going to film a scene where, you know, he's going to, you know, practice and shoot bottles. Well, they don't really shoot the bottles in the movie. They put a little explosive charge, a special effects guy. The gun fires a blank and it looks like he hit the bottle, right? That's how they do it. You don't actually shoot actual ammo. At least that would be pretty risky to be doing that. And they should not have live, real bullets anywhere on the scene. Yet here it was. And apparently he's handed the gun and the person said it's a cold gun, meaning to him it's a safe gun and has no ammunition. And he accepts this person's word for it. Now, on one hand, you can understand that this is supposed to be professionals dealing with professionals. And if the guy's telling you it's a cold gun and you believe him, why shouldn't you? But you know what? That actually isn't how it works with firearms. Because if I'm handed a firearm by anyone, I don't care if I'm at a gun shop where no guns are loaded, and the gun dealer hands me a gun to look at, guess what I do? I check the action every time. I check the action. Look, if I told you, here's a gun, and I and I said to you, don't worry, it's unloaded. Now put it to your head and pull the trigger. You're going to do that? Or do you think you're going to check and make sure it's unloaded? What do you think? And even with that, you shouldn't be pointing any gun at your head, and which is a whole dumb thing to do anyway. But the fact is, what do truly trained gun people do when it comes to gun safety? They check the action every time end of story every time you're handed a gun i'm handed a gun it's 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 automatic that i'm opening that action and checking second nature not even a question well one question that comes up is did he even know how to check a single action army did he know well listen i i read reports that veteran actors that are handed guns that they're told are 
are unloaded or cold guns or no problem, guess what the veteran actors do? They check their gun, even though they've been assured, just like a, you would do if you were in a gun shop or with a friend at the target range. You always check the action, and these are true gun people that know gun safety, and you always check your gun. You always make sure that you know whether that gun is hot or cold, whether that gun is empty or loaded. You want to know because guess what? It's your responsibility because when you pull that trigger, you can't call that bullet back, and you better know whether your gun is loaded or unloaded. So the number one thing we need to take away from this is gun owners that want to be safe is always check your gun. Always check the action. Never trust. And I'll tell you what, I've had many cases where there have been ADs, accidental discharges. And you know how those happen? Every one of those accidental discharges occurred with an unloaded gun. Isn't that amazing? Because that's what that person believed the gun was, unloaded. And it wasn't. So treat every gun as if it is loaded. And when a gun is handed to you, you check the action. But apparently, that was not the protocol. And if I was the great god of Hollywood gun safety protocols, I would say everybody who is handed a gun in any chain of it being handed, every individual must check their gun and know that it is unloaded, or if not, what it is loaded with because they've checked it, opened it, extracted whatever cartridges, whether it's blank cartridges or whatever is in there, look to them and confirm to themselves exactly what it is. Now, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it, but this isn't about hindsight. This is about protocols that obviously weren't in place during this filming of this movie. And it seems that, A, live ammunition with someone on a movie set shouldn't have happened. Somehow a gun was loaded on a cart of guns that are used by actors. Never should have happened. Somebody grabbed a gun off that and obviously didn't check it and assumed that it was unloaded, and then conveyed that assumption without having verified themselves to another person, maybe two, and it was Baldwin who was the last one to have it, and did he check his gun to confirm? No, he didn't. So all those mistakes in a row, if any one of those people or any one of those policies hadn't been followed or the at least somebody checked that gun before, this could have been avoided. And all that's there, and it's so simple. Why is it so simple? Check your gun, okay? That's number one. Now, this checking of firearms should be a practice that you do for the rest of your life, all the time, every time. And obviously, they're going to be looking now at major safety changes at Hollywood, plainly, and it's as well they should. But I have a suggestion for Hollywood, being that we're talking about Hollywood and guns. And that is, you ever notice how uh, before a movie or before even certain TV shows, they give you all kinds of uh, warnings, right? They'll warn you about nudity and sexual content, and even violence, right? Warn you about violent content or unlawful drug use or even smoking. Smoking, they'll warn you about. There's smoking in this movie. And, and they'll even warn you about, you know, cultural inappropriate things from a Days gone by. The warning about all. You know what I want them to warn? I want to see a warning on every movie or TV show if the following 
appears in the movie. They need to warn you that this movie contains unsafe and or unlawful use of firearms. Could you imagine every movie that has the unsafe or unlawful use of firearms has to warn you in advance on that? You know how many times a day in every movie and every, every show you'd see this over and over and over and over and over and over contains unsafe or unlawful use of firearms over and over. So much so that maybe America will wake up to exactly what Hollywood conditions us to. It conditions us to unlawful and unsafe use of firearms because it runs through all the shows, all the entertainment. All, it is so rare. It is rare for a show involving firearms not to show the unlawful or unsafe use of firearms. So they've conditioned not only us but themselves to be unsafe with firearms. And here you see it come out. You see it come out in the very thing that causes uh, death and injury. And it's outrageous. And I'll tell you, there have been other gun accidents on movie sets. And there was one, you may recall, where the actor John Eric Hexum in like 1984 or so, he accidentally shot himself in the head while he was playing Russian roulette, which is dumb in and of itself, right? But he was playing it with a gun that was that had that had blanks. It was blanks, literally blanks in a real gun. And he had loaded like three empty cartridge shells and two gunpowder blanks, just blanks. And he did the foolish Russian roulette and put a gun to his head and fired a blank at his head. He, he was so stupid about firearms that he didn't realize that even a blank gun is that concentration of propellant gases, and that alone at a point blank can, can kill you. And in fact, it fractured his skull and he died from it. So blanks themselves can be dangerous. And I remember even my dad, he said, he's in basic training and they're in the woods uh, all getting ready to do their uh, maneuvers there with training. And he said the sergeant took a M1 Garand and he showed everybody, he said, let everyone watch this. And he took a blank with the M1 Garand. He put it next to the tree and pulled the trigger. And, you know, three feet of bark blew off the tree to send the message that blanks themselves are dangerous and to be careful with the blank. And Mr. Hexum, unfortunately, learned the hard way. And you, and you may recall there was another accident in Hollywood regarding Brandon Lee, the son of, of Bruce Lee. And he was killed with a movie gun, quote-unquote. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you how that actually happened because it's very interesting and it re relates directly to other concerns about gun safety that you and I have to be concerned about. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. 
an unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, all right. I want to tell you the story about Brandon Lee and, of course, a big fan of Bruce Lee as well, and it was really quite tragic. Before I tell you that, I just want to thank you for listening to Gun Lawyer, and uh, I appreciate uh, you very much. It gives me the voice and the ability to reach out to you while social media and big tech are algorithming me and shadow banning me and putting me in virtual jail, not able to speak. And this makes sure we can get the word out despite their attempts to uh, do this to us. So uh, please subscribe to Gun Lawyer. Tell your friends. It's important. The other thing I really love is getting questions from my friends out there. And you can send it to Ask Evan at uh, www.gun.lawyer. You'll find the uh, address email right there. And you can send questions. And I love to talk about them on the air. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about one of them very shortly, some interesting questions that uh, folks have sent. But let me tell you about Brandon Lee. See, Brandon Lee is a particularly sad thing because Brandon was shot by a firearm on the set in the making of the movie The Crow. And uh, what happened with with that is is really interesting. It wasn't a case where live, actual, real bullet got accidentally put in the forty-four Magnum revolver. No, no, that wasn't what happened. What happened was they were apparently first using some dummy rounds in filming the scene. And the dummy rounds were look like actual cartridges that have a bullet head and the shell casing, but they contain absolutely no powder at all. And it was, you know, for the movie-making purposes, the dummy rounds, you know, in the gun, and you can see the dummy round, and, you know, in the revolver, you know, it sticks out. You know, you can see it through the cylinder. So it makes it very realistic, but a dummy round is never a round that is ever supposed to fire at all or make any kind of uh, action that any kind of live cartridge would do. But apparently the dummy rounds used here had no powder in them, but had an actual bullet, you know, an actual projectile and a cartridge case with no powder. But for some reason, whoever made these dummy rounds put primers, put actual primers. So what happened was the gun had gotten fired 
with a dummy round. And what it's known as in the shooting world is a squib load, a squib load. And what a squib load is is an underpowered round, an underpowered load. And if you're shooting at a range and you're firing and it's going bang, 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 and then you hear like not a real, like a not even a real bang, but a you know a low kind of popping sound, and you're like, what was that? Immediately, unload your gun and check the barrel for an obstruction. Because if you fire another round after a squib load has fired the bullet without enough power behind it, the bullet will lodge in the barrel. And the next full power round you fire, that bullet will hit the other bullet and there will be a barrel obstruction. And that's how guns blow up in your hand and in your face. And if you've ever seen guns that have blown up from a barrel obstruction, it can blow and send pieces of metal all over the place like a like shrapnel out of a hand grenade. And it's dangerous and can even be deadly. So a squib load is something you need to be aware of when you're when you're firing, you know, just even for pleasure at a target range. And uh, sometimes the barrels don't blow. And you end up stacking, you, you can see these cutaways of barrels where there's, you know, 10 rounds jammed in the barrel. The whole barrel is just stuffed with lead bullets. And luckily it didn't blow up in the person's face. So that's what squib loads are. So what happened with Brandon Lee is this dummy round, this dummy round fired like a squib. And all it did, the primer had just enough powder to push the bullet projectile into the barrel. But then, instead of firing a live actual bullet, which of course you wouldn't do on a movie set, right? And the gun blowing up or being jammed up, what was put behind it was now a blank cartridge. A blank for making noise and for the filming of the movie. But what is a blank? A blank is gunpowder with no projectile, okay? to make noise only. But when that fired, behind the squib-loaded lodged bullet in the barrel, it fired the bullet the rest of the way out of the barrel, killing Brandon Lee. Whereas if it had been an actual live round, it would have probably just blown up the gun in the shooter's hand or just jammed beyond belief. But instead, it had that combination of a squib with a blank and that's how he died so these are things that even though they're hollywood accidents there's lessons here to be learned so that you yourself will be safe when just target shooting or enjoying the shooting sports or hunting you ever get a squib load don't put another cartridge in it and always check your gun every time anyone hands you a gun check it and see if it's loaded, unloaded, what the condition is, etc. Assume every gun is loaded until you confirm it otherwise. So these are important things that come out of this, and of course I'm sure we'll learn more and more information about the uh, Baldwin case and liabilities here and whether there's even going to be criminal charges and such. It's going to be interesting. But uh, there's other factors here as well about whether the armorer was properly trained the armorer who was 
was a young woman who uh, uh, apparently was not that uh, experienced, even though she comes from a father who's renowned as a movie armorer, but I don't think she uh, had the background for it here herself. She even questioned herself whether she was ready for this. You know, it's things like that that unfortunately all go into this perfect storm of a, of a, of a, of a tragic accident. So we'll learn more as time goes on, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Well, you know, I did receive an interesting, some interesting questions, and here's one I want to read you. It's from uh, James, who said, regarding nullification. He said, uh, Evan, if the Supreme Court rules broadly in favor of concealed carry, or if a national reciprocity bill becomes law, could New Jersey nullify those actions? And, of course, it isn't just limited to New Jersey, but could any anti-gun state nullify those actions? And really what you have here is two separate questions. You have one question about the action of the United States Supreme Court. Now, if they rule in favor of concealed carry, I guess we can mean what if they find that the carry law being challenged in the New York State case is found unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court finds that firearm possession outside the home is constitutionally protected and protected by the Second Second Amendment, right? If they find that, does that mean that New Jersey could somehow nullify that? And the answer there would be, uh, no, the, the the constitutional principle, the constitutional finding, give, depending what the court, how the court rules, of course, but that would make it so that laws that are unconstitutional are unconstitutional, and individuals seeking relief could, in the worst case, go to federal court even over the offending law, and New Jersey could pass all the laws at once, saying it's not going to follow it, the Constitution will still be supreme and they really would have a tough time nullifying. The only way to nullify would be to get the Supreme Court to somehow reverse its decision in another case or to get a constitutional amendment or repeal of the Second Amendment nationally in order to, quote, nullify. And let me just tell you, folks, right now, when the Supreme Court does go our way and does, in fact, invalidate gun laws is unconstitutional and actually apply the Second Amendment the way you and I know it needs to be applied, I can just about assure you that the next movement of the anti-gunners will be a concerted effort to repeal the Second Amendment. You can bet we're going to have a battle over their desire to repeal our God-given right, fundamental right, natural right to keep and bear arms in defense of ourselves, our families, and those that we love. So you will see that as an upcoming battle if the Supreme Court does finally put real teeth and power behind our Second Amendment rights. They will be enforced And the only real way to stop that then will be by either packing the court and getting reversals, which the Supreme Court normally doesn't like to do because of the value of precedent, or a movement for repeal of the Second Amendment. I think the latter is a real possibility, folks. So brace yourselves. It won't be over 
even when we get these victories, no, it's just going to be a new battle and a new war fighting to keep our rights as we are engaged in this new frontal assault. Now, the other part of the question is, what if there's a national reciprocity bill that becomes law? Well, national reciprocity would be a bill that would be passed by the federal government. And if the federal government passes national reciprocity, they will declare this law to be preemptive. A preemptive federal law, I mean, it preempts state laws. And under the Supremacy Clause of the U.S. Constitution, the federal law can be the supreme law of the land. And if it is declared to be preemptive, then state law no longer has any effect. It is literally the federal law controls the subject. So New Jersey would not be able to nullify a reciprocity bill if it was based in preemption. Exactly the opposite. The preemption law of reciprocity nullifies New Jersey's laws because it is a federal law and empowered under the uh, federal constitution as supreme law of the land and with the federal government stating specifically that it's designed to preempt state and local laws notwithstanding, uh, it, it would be a difficult, difficult thing. They'd have to get the federal government to repeal the reciprocity law because preemption is a very important federal power. And, you know, in our gun laws, we already have laws that are preemptive. We have laws like LEOSA, you know, the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act that allows the uh, carry by retired and active law enforcement. We have the armored car preemption for carry, so armored car personnel can carry their guns across state lines. We have national preemption law for transport of firearms under Title 18, 926A of the Firearm Owners Protection Act. It allows you to transport your firearms interstate through states that even prohibit your gun or restrict it as long as you follow the law of Title 18, 926A. Why? Because it is a federal preemptive law of state laws. Now, when you transport out of your home state in order to fall under the federal law and to get the protection of the preemption that it affords, you have to be going from one place where you legally can possess and carry the firearm to another place where you legally can possess and carry the firearm. And in this case, your gun, just to be extra safe and to be solidly under the law, should be in a separate locked container, unloaded. So the gun is in a separate container. It's unloaded and it's locked. Ammunition separate. And if you keep it as far away from the passenger compartment as you can, whether you have a trunk or the back of your SUV, You've maximized your coverage under Title 18. And if you were to end up in a state that uh, prohibits your possession because you don't have, it's impossible to get license or the gun itself they uh, intrinsically have declared as a problem, then you would be able to argue the preemption there and it is a uh, defense that you can assert to stop the enforcement of the federal law on you. And I've used it successfully in New Jersey to save individuals who have been transporting a firearm through New Jersey in conformance with Title 18, 926A. So it is an important preemption. And as much as New Jersey hates it, 
And as much as they'd love to nullify it, they're not able to because it comes under that constitutional protection. So I want to thank James for great questions here, and I love talking about this and explaining things to folks. Uh, so you are incredibly important to me. I uh, want you to know and have this knowledge so you can protect yourself and understand what the lamestream media doesn't want to tell you about guns. And until uh, next time, just remember that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state. Let's go Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planned it. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. You ask questions, they start banning. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. Hey, hey, let's go Brandon. Hey, hey.